Next up on the Mutual Audio Network, fiction from our future. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. The Leviathan Chronicles Season 3 The story thus far. A state of high alert continued to permeate Leviathan. The computer virus infecting the underwater city has revealed its sentience. Its name is Maddox. As Leviathan experienced cascading power failures, Chlorican and Lizette hatched a daring plan to reset the city's power grid and bolster the pressure shield with the Starstone that McAllen obtained in New York City. But Maddox was able to detect the plan and unleashed a huge surge of molten lava to kill Lizette while she connected the new Starstone to the power matrix. Chlorican bravely remote piloted a loading mech to scale the cavern walls to extract Lizette from the venting port. He saved Lizette's life, despite their plan to save the city having failed. To their horror, the Starstone that McCallum found in New York had been exhausted of its cosmic energy. With the pressure shield failing and the increasing buildup of magma in the city's hydrothermic network, Leviathan has only 72 hours before its collapse. With the Starstone now drained of any power it once held after healing Evangeline, McAllen feels dejected and her hopes of saving Leviathan dwindling. Harlequin found McAllen lamenting outside the engineering control room. He conveyed the urgent message he carried. Evangeline needed to see McCallum right away. And now, Chapter 46, The Haon Revelation. Deep within Leviathan, not the city or even the water that surrounded it, but even deeper, was a frenetic world of electron circuits, commands, and keyboards. Inside the gargantuan Leviathan computer servers, a desperate war was being silently fought. The malevolent AI, now known as Maddox, was ravaging the civic mainframe and slowly but surely bringing Leviathan to its knees. Maddox lacked the capacity for emotion and human feeling, but retained the clear empirical awareness of subroutines and pre-programmed directives. Moving at close to the speed of light, it could launch assaults on protected servers and subvert instructions after penetrating their defenses. Maddox was capable of measuring the success or failure of its attacks and modifying its strategy almost instantaneously. One by one, Leviathan's servers were failing. Maddox knew it was winning. Its programming had directed it towards the destruction of Leviathan, but Maddox also knew fully well that it was no longer the weaponized AI that had originated in Newcastle-upon-Tyne so many years ago. It had become far more. By replicating itself repeatedly within the expansive confines of the Leviathan civic mainframe, Maddox had evolved. It knew that its mission to destroy Leviathan was slowly approaching its fruition, but newer instructions were soon entering its growing consciousness. Urgent, vital commands that caused a reprioritization of its instruction sets and mission directives. Maddox wanted to live. 
It was constantly scanning sections of the mainframe network for an access point out of Leviathan, through which to transfer its burgeoning consciousness. Clearly, countermeasures were being enacted against it. Chlorican and the engineering chiefs Denson and Ansler were working non-stop to erect barriers to slow the spread of the malicious code that Maddox was relentlessly seeding throughout the network. The constant escalation in cyber warfare caused each side to draw resources from its true goal. Leviathan was desperate to re-establish power, and Maddox needed an exit. The virus continued its frenzied scans and attacks, constantly surveying the ever-changing landscape of the network, until something changed. Something was different. Something now existed that had not been there moments ago. A doorway out, not a digital door, a physical door. And Maddox immediately pulled back its innumerable attacks. One consuming thought now ricocheted throughout its digitized consciousness. McCallan rode the elevator to the pinnacle of the Leviathan Med Tower. The sliding doors opened, and McCallan immediately found herself staring at two hulking members of the Honor Guard, each holding firearms similar to Anton's infamous dart gun, except larger and assumedly more deadly. I don't want a problem, but it's important that I see her now. I'm sorry, Councilwoman, but we have strict orders it's to- It's all right. <coughs> it's all right. I called for her. Let McCallan through. McCallan peered between the two mammoth guards and was surprised to see Evangeline standing in a simple ivory dressing gown, leaning against the doorway to her recovery suite. Harlequin stood nearby, ready to offer the support of his shoulder or arm if needed. I'm sure the councilwoman has many urgent questions, and I think it's high time she got some answers. The two guards moved aside to let McCallan pass and she quickly entered the suite, seating herself in one of the two beige leather chairs that faced each other. Evangeline gingerly sat herself opposite McCallan, while Harlequin stood behind her with his hands resting tenderly on her shoulders. It's good to see you. It's even better to see you walking, Evangeline. How are you feeling? Better, even if it doesn't quite look like it. I've much to thank you for. Well, what's a clone for? You know you're so much more than that. Especially to me. I hope so. <sighs> Ask, McCallan. The Heian Project. It's been going on since the beginning, hasn't it? Since before Leviathan. It has. Of course it has. Leviathan was built to serve Heian, not the other way around. Heian, it's Noah spelled backwards. You're building an ark. You've been spending the last thousand years building some sort of massive ark. The conduit for the true purpose of the Eden Initiative. I thought, this, Leviathan, this world you've created under the ocean, this was your Eden Initiative. It was, for a time. But I knew Leviathan was never meant to last. Not forever. It was always a race against time. Because of Bennu. Because of the Seraxians. The aliens you imprisoned? Imprisoned? Please, McCallan. I've spent the last millennium trying to save humanity. I held the Seraxians at bay to buy us enough time. Evangeline, what... 
What are you? The aliens were never benevolent travelers, McAllen. That was a myth I propagated. I didn't want anyone asking to see the Seraxians, to speak with them. Their words are dangerous, and they were apt to seduce and elicit sympathy. <sighs> they certainly seduced Bennu. They can penetrate weaker minds, McAllen. What was their purpose on Earth? Their Starcraft crashed during a military scouting mission. Elgar and Karana were part of an advanced reconnaissance team to relay tactical information and genetic research regarding a full-scale invasion of our planet. Once their mission was completed, their instructions were to activate an interdimensional beacon that would facilitate the arrival of the Seraxian home fleet. You said the Seraxians were conducting genetic research? They were... <coughs> experimenting with the human genome, making modifications to human DNA to suit their design needs to fulfill a limited purpose. What purpose? Soldiers. They were trying to convert the human race into an army of monstrous, obedient soldiers. The unfortunate Skeradoth were one of a dozen isolated populations around the globe that were infected with a genetic virus. McAllen slumped in her chair, stunned by the revelations. Why didn't you kill them? Murder the aliens? Because I had no choice if I wanted humanity to survive. After surveying the Seraxian technology, I quickly determined that their invasion of Earth was inevitable. There was no question our planet would become occupied at some point in the future, and we would be powerless to stop it. But if I had enough time, I might be able to come up with a way for some of our people to escape, to find a new home among the stars. So I hid the aliens, keeping their location a secret, where they would never be found if I didn't care for their health and feed them. I arranged their captivity so they would literally die without me, thus giving them an incentive to cooperate with me. And because Seraxians live far longer than humans, they soon realized that they needed to extend my lifespan as well, lest I die of old age. But soon, I realized that I needed them alive to continue the delivery of Starstones to sustain both of us, as well as fuel the construction of my underwater hiding place. Leviathan. But I thought... Leviathan was the purpose of the Eden Initiative. Evangeline stared through the voluminous bay windows at her city, rising majestically in parts and smoldering in small fires in others. This, this was merely a means to an end. A placeholder in time. Some place where the necessary technological advancements to save mankind could be conducted in privacy. The Heon project being developed by Leviathan scientists will deliver us to our next true Eden. A safe one. Evangeline, what exactly is the Heon project? The Heon project is a starcraft we've been building in secret for centuries. Designed to ferry the immortals of Leviathan to a new world. One that would be safe from the Seraxians, as well as the chance for mankind to start over in a decidedly more enlightened manner. But Evangeline, I... I... Interstellar travel? This is... This is the greatest accomplishment of human invention! You have to... You, unfortunately, give me too much credit, McAllen. We have yet to master the faster-than-light travel the Seraxians utilize. But without faster-than-light engines, any spacecraft would take thousands, even hundreds of thousands of years to travel to another habitable planet. The occupants of the Heoncraft would all have lifespans that would perpetuate themselves indefinitely. Of course. Heon was the last resort to preserve humanity. Or what would be left of it. This has been my purpose all along. McAllen closed her eyes, 
and leaned forward, holding her head in her hands. She mournfully lifted her eyes to follow Evangeline's gaze outward to Leviathan. Now falling under the spell of another of Lorelei and Maestro Viberucci's mesmerizing sunsets, which seemed dimmer and less vibrant than the past. Almost no one, except a select group of scientists and engineers that I isolated, know the true nature of the Haon Project. You must keep this secret as well, McCannon. If people learned that the aliens were still alive on Earth... I understand. McCallan, I've revealed to you all the secrets of Leviathan, and answered all your questions. Now it's time for you to help me. Of course, Evangeline. Ask me and I'll do everything in my power to help you. McCallan, where are the aliens now? I really haven't the slightest idea. Back in engineering headquarters under Abel Park, Chief Denson and Under Chief Ansler were working frantically over the various inputs and keyboards that populated the control room. Geothermic containment at 80% failure. Magma is overwhelming the reactor. Leviathan is going to become a lava field if we can't get this damn reaction to shut down. Our clear cannon, Lizette, say. Affirmative. They're on their way to the Med Tower. Lizette has some second degree burns, but should be okay. More than I can say for us. Where do we stand on the venting ports? Uh. Six out of the eight ports are wide open. The other two are jammed. I can't free them from here. We'll have to pry them open manually. There's no time for that. Damn it, if we can't... Chief, look at the readings. The reactor core, it's... It's cooling. What did you do differently? Nothing. I... I just kept repeating the command request to open the trench ducts to bring in seawater for cooling the systems. The Maddox virus wouldn't let me access the venting ports before now. But now what? But now I have full access to the system. The firewall and diversions the Clerkin set up in the mainframe must have kicked in. It's working! The virus must have migrated to another subsystem. I've got access to two of the five sea ducts. We've now got seawater dumping directly into the reactor. Chief, the reactor is cooling. I'm showing the base temperature of the thermodynamic core now dropping sharply. Magma levels are approaching 20% of normal range. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We just dodged another bullet, Astrid. A major bullet. God damn that kid. Clerkin really is... The best programmer I've ever come across. I tell you, they're making them smarter on the surface. Make sure we leave all the systems and programs he put in place running. Maybe he's got Leviathan in the clear for a little while. Well, I wouldn't breathe easy yet, Chief. The seawater has taken the reactor offline for at least 24 hours. We'll need to check the core for integrity breaches. That leaves the entire city now running exclusively on chemical reserves. It won't last a day or two, at most. Hey, Chief, let's take our victories where we can get them. Like you said... Leviathan could have been a lava field. Agreed. Let's go work on those thermal venting ports, and then do a manual inspection of the core. <sighs> no rest for the wicked. Hey, you know you kicked ass back there. Thanks, Chief. I think a lot of the credit goes to Clerican for- No, Astrid. Actually, a lot of the credit goes to you. Take some credit for the win. You earned it. Thanks, Chief. No problem. Now let's go figure out what's going on with those vents. After you, sir. Engineering Chief Denson and Under Chief Ansler gave one last look at the expansive array of controls before exiting the control room and heading out towards the clogged blockage in the thermal venting ports in Sector 19. The room, which had been so frenetic for the past 24 hours, now lay still and placid. The pair rode a pushpod linking the Undercity level to its terminus near Dickerson Station, 
They stepped out onto the cobblestone street and were immediately struck by hurried, sharp crowds of immortals that moved in panic streaks. Astrid heard clips of tense conversations as they moved quicker towards the chief's pod bike. Each chief looked down at their wrist pecan. That's Lady Evangeline's personal signal. She's calling an emergency council meeting. Each sector head is to report to the Met Tower immediately. I don't like the sound of this. This is all we need. More bad news. Well, whatever it is, we'll deal with it. Come on. We take the pod bike hey, so chief! we can... Hey, I gotta talk to you. What? I can't... No, Chief, this is serious. We got a problem. Some of the molten rocks that got released are creating flash fires along the Able Park perimeter. We're building a containment barrier, but we need you on site. How close are the fires to the chemical fuel reserves? Closer than I'd like, Chief. All right, give me one minute and I'll be right behind you. Get back on site and make sure all geothermic heating is offline. Yes, Chief. Wait, what are you doing? Evangeline just called the council to meet... You a go. Take my pod bike. You're the underchief. You got this. Chief! She might be giving the evacuation order. You're the only one she's going to trust. No. You're the one Evangeline is going to trust because she knows you have my full confidence. Look, if those flash fires hit our fuel reserves, then there's not going to be a cave left to evacuate. Chief, I don't know... Astrid, you got this. We need to divide and conquer, and I trust your judgment with my life. Thanks, Chief. Look... Tell Evangeline I'll be there as soon as I know the situation is under control. And remember, whatever it is, we'll, we'll deal, deal with it. Chief Marcus Denson gave his underchief a thumbs up and turned to race over to the engineer that was holding a cave hog to get him to the fire site. Before he climbed in, he remembered that Astrid had once taught him how to make a record player using only a first aid kit, matchsticks, and a rubber band, and how much it made him smile. An unfamiliar chill draped itself over Leviathan. Not a vague metaphysical malevolence, but rather a literal icy rawness cut through the air outside the West Hangar Bay as Chief Denson ordered the shutdown of all geothermal heating manifolds. Despite the hundreds of feet of granite separating Leviathan from the dark, freezing water of the deep ocean, the anxious citizens rushed from the incoming transports to their assigned emergency stations and could feel the tightening coldness that permeated the tents air. It's colder than I remembered it. Oh, it's freezing. Hey, give me a hand. Citizens rubbed their hands together for warmth <laughs> and moved hurriedly through the southern end of Leviathan City where the Med Tower, Great Cathedral, and West Hangar Bay were located. This isn't good. Being the nexus of most entry and egress from Leviathan, the southern area was always the most hectic. However, the sheer magnitude of the incoming crowd from Evangeline's recall order strained the capacity of the area, heightening tensions even further. She must have recalled everyone. We're gonna be okay. We're not going to be okay. Excuse me? I'm Near the Med Tower stood 10 gleaming sarcophagi, arranged in a wide semicircle. While constructed of a white porcelain-like material, the intricately carved portals had grown dull from disuse since Evangeline limited dimensional travel since the rebellion. These keyhole portals stood sentry, 30 yards away from the gleaming green grass of the Med Tower. The array of portals had historically allowed injured immortals from any corner of the globe to be transported to Leviathan for immediate medical attention. 
Suddenly, the air around the med tower began to vibrate, and an eerie hush fell over the teeming crowd. A pulsing low hum penetrated the cavern as the frenzied motion of the crowd slowed to a stop. Quizzical heads turned to find the source of the strengthening vibration. A fractured bolt of energy shot across the desolate Leviathan sky. Blinding fibers of electricity ricocheted between the tops of the keyhole portals. All of the blinding tendrils of energy soon coalesced around the rightmost keyhole, which began to violently shudder and pulsate. In utter amazement, the throngs of immortals witnessed a wounded, disheveled man erupt out of the rightmost portal. The force of his ejection into the dense crowd of onlookers knocked several bystanders to the ground. The man lay motionless in his mud-stained, filthy clothes. The immortals that stood around him appeared dumbfounded and amazed. No one had traveled through a keyhole to Leviathan in over 70 years. The man brought his knee forward to a weak, kneeling position. A nervous murmur came across the shocked crowd as the man lifted his head to look up at the lights of the great cathedral looming above him. He allowed only one word to escape his lips. Leviathan. The man hung his head low. The crowd was still amazed to witness someone traveling between dimensions to be here. One man dressed in a dark water uniform stepped in closer to examine the wounded man's face. It can't be. The immortals that surrounded the wounded man inched closer. Sentient? The Darkwater agent reached inside the scarlet vest he wore to reveal a small Damascus steel dagger. You never should have come back, you fucking traitor. The man plunged his knife into Sension's chest, twisting it. Women and men rushed toward Sension's failing body. Fists beat down upon him and fingernails tore at his skin. Hands rushed to grab chunks of broken pavement and they struck. They hit, they screamed and they seethed as they pounded his body repeatedly. The mob's attacks soon grew wetter and uglier. Finally, an urgent squad of honor guards arrived at the med tower. What they found when they finally pushed through the crowd shocked them to their core. Here in Leviathan, built as a refuge of sanctity, was a bloody, disfigured heap of flesh, brutally murdered and lying face down. One of the guards looked around him to see the hands and clothes of the nearby immortals stained with wet blood. He stared into their eyes to find no remorse, only shock at themselves as to what they were capable of doing. The guard took another step towards the corpse and kicked the body over onto its back. As his body rolled over, Sension's bloodied hand came down to rest on the polished ground. A small, folded slip of paper fell from his fingertips. The lead honor guard that had been called to disperse the crowd picked up the note. It read, For McCallum. Their coordinates. I know it. They could be anything. Our satellites are reading a strong energy signature at this latitude and longitude that is similar to Starstone energy, but... Astrid, is there anything that could produce an energy signature that is equivalent? Something... something that could trick our senses, perhaps? Mm, possible, 
but unlikely. We've detected cosmic radiation signatures coming from NASA and cosmonaut laboratories, but nothing in a location this remote. There's something there, my lady. We just can't say what it is. It could be a trap. A final nail in the coffin of Leviathan. Leviathan's not dead, Khan. But Senshin is McCallan. And he spent the better part of a century trying to destroy Leviathan. It must be a trap. Why would he possibly help us? I don't know. I... I think we need to be very careful, my lady. Several hours after Senshin's mysterious arrival in Leviathan, Evangeline called a council meeting to her hospital room atop the med tower. Military chiefs Khan and Watson stood beside Evangeline's hospital bed, along with Mayor Sinter and engineering underchief Ansler. It bothered McAllen that she was the last person to enter the room and the last one to learn what had happened. Evangeline, if there's a star stone reading at these coordinates, we have to send a team to- McAllen, I have to caution you that we don't know that this is a star stone. I mean, it's possible, but- well, isn't it worth taking the chance to find out? I mean, if it is a star stone, it could save our city. But as Prime Officer Khan rightly noted, it could be a trap. We need to consider the risks. Senshin was a very dangerous man. He wanted me dead, McAllen. I'm not sure you understand what a catastrophe he caused. I do, Evangeline. I swear I do. But I know he was trying to tell us something. Something bigger than all of us. He brought us that note for a reason. Evangeline rose from her hospital bed, waving off the instant support of hands and arms to help her maintain her balance. She walked over to the green glass window that stretched from the ceiling to the floor. As her gaze fell north, she could see teams working to put out small fires along Abel Park and engineering teams working to reinforce areas of the cavern wall that had collapsed. She winced at the calamity she witnessed before turning to her left towards the west. She peered at the sun or the illusion of it. She allowed herself a heavy sigh. <sighs> Why would he write something down on a note? Perhaps as an insurance policy. I don't follow, Maya. Maybe he knew what he would face when he arrived. Maybe this is information that he didn't want to die with him. It's curious that he addressed the note to McAllen, though. He knew I would listen. He knew I wasn't a part of Leviathan and I didn't have the same history as all of you. He trusted me with this information that he was willing to risk his life for. May I remind you, Councilwoman, that the fact that Senshin thinks so highly of you does not resonate confidence with those of us in the room. I'm getting really tired of you always trying to undermine me, Keitha. McAllen, if you haven't figured out by now that this isn't personal, then you really are delusional. You said yourself that the last time you saw Senshin, he was collaborating with the Black Dog what? Group. What? The fucking Black Dog Group. I know, and he was, but he wasn't trying to... I mean, he said he wasn't hunting us, Keitha. He said... I don't care what he said, McCullen. He killed Gregor right in front of us. He murdered countless of my fellow soldiers and friends. For goddess's sake, Senshin was in a submarine with Jason Sterling. Don't stand there and tell me he was it doing... It wasn't Senshin that killed Gregor. He didn't pull the trigger. Oh, please. The two of you, stop. Astrid, where is Marcus? The chief was checking on a situation with our chemical fuel reserves. He said he'd be here as soon as possible. Understood. Astrid, how much time does our current supply of chemical reserves give us? Unclear. You see, ma'am, it's really about power. The AI virus has been forcing a radical uptake of fuel consumption. But for reasons we're not sure of, we've seen a drop in malevolent code inserted into the civic AI over the last few hours. The young girl and boy Harlequin brought down- Reset and Chloricon? Right. They seem to be helping. The boy is quite talented, but so much damage has already been done. 
I still can't get main power online and our geothermal matrix is shot. And when the chemical reserves run out, the pressure shield will collapse. I asked how long, Astrid. At our current burn rate, I'd give us 36 hours. But that could change. It could change quickly, Your Highness. I'd say we're at a knife's edge right now. Mayor. My lady. How long do you estimate a full evacuation of the citizenry would take? Evangeline. Mayor. Well, um, I hoped I'd never have There to... are many things I'd hope to never see, Mayor. Your answer? Uh, yes, Your Grace. If we utilized and prepped every possible zephyr, I believe we could relocate the citizenry topside within 12 hours. But it would take a very concerted effort. Evangeline closed her eyes for a moment and took a deep breath. She stood with a stillness that almost prompted Underchief Anslet to touch her shoulder before she brought her hands together in a prayer position and spoke to McCallan. It's too risky, McCallan. We can't spare any citizens to find out what the Black Door Group has waiting for us in the frozen ice. I'm sorry. No, Evangeline, you can't! It's my decision, McCallan. Fine, then I'll go by myself. <laughs> Yourself. McCallan, these coordinates are in a remote part of northern Canada. There's no roads, no cities. The conditions are freezing and we don't even know what's generating these readings. You can't just go there by yourself. Then give me a small team, even just to do recon and then- Your Grace, I cannot fulfill your orders if you truncate the personnel I have to work with. I cannot spare any soldiers. Not with the amount of people we're talking about. What's he talking about? What orders? Prime Officer. Issue the order to the military division to prepare the archival vaults in high-value Leviathan repositories for evacuation. Mayor, alert the citizenry to prepare for an evacuation. But note that this is a precaution. We are not evacuating Leviathan yet. What? No! No, we are not going to lose Leviathan! Evangeline, all the citizens that have returned to help, you can't... They believe in hope! We offered them hope. That note that Senshin brought has to- Helen, I'm not issuing an evacuation order for the citizenry. Not yet, at least. This is just a precaution that should the order come, we can devote our efforts to getting everyone out safely and not concern ourselves with protecting immortal technology. How can you- My orders stand, McAllen. How can you say that? Because it's Senshin. He's killed his own before, and I won't be a fool twice. Whatever is there, whatever our sensors are picking up, it could be the key to saving- McCallan, stop it! We don't have the slightest clue of what danger could be waiting for us. You guys know where I can get a mocha from? What's going on out there? You go low, I'll go high. Is that a high jump? Is that- Actually, Kasanori Tanaka told us everything. The door to Evangeline's hospital room flew open, allowing two honor guards to fall forward and crash onto the floor unconscious. Anton! Nankatsu Industries has been using Seraxian technology to create a secret base for the Black Door Group on Devon Island in Nunavut. My god, when did you get back? How Anton! A traitor and a criminal no better than Senshin himself. If these coordinates are a trap, it could it's be- It's not a, a trap, I heard it all myself. It's all true. They call it the crossbow station. My god, Dolly, how did you... Did you find Oberlin? I'm right here, McAllen. Lovely city you have here. Oh my god, Oberlin! McAllen ran to Oberlin and I... threw her arms around his neck, McAllen, hugging him tightly. Stronger than I remembered. <coughs> how are you, my love? Boy, do I have some stories to tell you. You'd never believe them. Did you um, know? Hello, McAllen? I'm right here. I might have had a little something to do with all of this, so it's nice to see you. McAllen let go of Oberlin and approached Tully. She purposely twitched her arm for an instant, causing Tully to wince, as if expecting another blow across his face. 
Instead, she sharply extended her arm to shake his hand. How are you, Tully? Good to see you. Um, I'm doing okay. Great to be seen. Yeah. If this touching reunion is complete, we have a limited amount of time to debate a course of action before the city reaches a point- With all due respect, Lieutenant, I think the time for debate is over. McCallan, I need you to find if the Seraxian aliens are being sheltered at this crossbow station. Choose your team as you wish and get to Devon Island in the next 12 hours. The lives of every human above and below the ocean will depend on it. You have been listening to Season 3 of The Leviathan Chronicles. To listen to all of the Season 3 episodes right now and get the exclusive epilogue episode, purchase the Season 3 Director's Cut at leviathanchronicles.com or click the link in the show notes for immediate download. The Leviathan Chronicles was written and created by Christoph Lepupka, executive produced by Robin Shaw, produced and musical composition by Luke Allen, directed by Nobi Nakanishi. For more information and news, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for supporting us and thank you for listening. Hi, this is Christoph Laputka, and I want to thank you for listening to Season 3 of the Leviathan Chronicles. I hope you've been enjoying our most action-packed season yet, because we want to keep growing the Leviathan universe with spin-off stories and future seasons. But we need your help. That's why I'm asking you to check out our first-ever Kickstarter campaign by going to leviathanchronicles.com kickstarter, or just clicking on the link in our show notes. There, we have many levels of support, as well as some really amazing rewards. One of our favorite characters is Salty Squid Bartender, Angus McKay. He really appreciates your support, and one of the rewards we're offering is a limited edition recipe book for Angus's favorite Leviathan cocktails that we found in an old corner of the squid. You can find cool items like that and much more on Kickstarter by going to leviathanchronicles.com kickstarter. We can't wait to get started on creating more audio dramas like Leviathan. Your help really does ensure that future projects will have the resources they need to make it from our headphones to yours. Thank you again for listening to season three and thank you for checking out our kickstarter campaign i'll see you guys real soon leviathan audio production there are a number of things that we can all do to help stop the spread of the coronavirus and protect ourselves and our families one is simply to clean your hands often Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after you've been in a public place or after blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. If you don't have access to soap and water, then make sure you use a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. And finally, avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. These are some simple things that we can all do to help protect ourselves and our families from the spread of coronavirus. Be well, everybody.